Well, hey there. Thanks so much for joining us on the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If these messages have blessed your life, go ahead and subscribe by clicking the subscribe button inside the podcast app. And if your life has been impacted by this ministry, would you consider supporting it financially so that we can continue to love God, love people, and prove it? You can give by visiting hope615.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you are blessed through today's message. So good to see you all today. Thank you. I, uh, you know, I was reminded of something this morning, and this, this goes way back before hope ever started, and I just feel this way sometimes. You know, I, I'm caught up in worship, and God seems to just be so real and so faithful, and, and that makes me think of this phrase we used to say several years ago before we started hope. The phrase was this, how about that Jesus? How about that Jesus? And so what the deal was, uh, years ago, my wife and I had been enlisted by LifePoint Church to coordinate their ministry to college age and young adults. And so every Tuesday night, they would all come to our house and show up early and stay late and eat all the food in our pantry. And, and we had a Bible study and it was awesome. But you know, when you're together like that and having fun, at some point, somebody's got to bring some attention and clarity to why we're there. And there was a person who always said, you know, when it was time... How about that Jesus? Like, it's time, brother. And I was just reminded of that this morning, so I thought I'd share that with you. It's a pretty cool story. In fact, the text I'm sharing today, as soon as I read this, the first part of it, you're going to think, whoa, bro, it's not Easter. It's not Easter Sunday. Well, you're right. But God, I think, is going to speak to you through his holy word today if you'll receive it. So look with me into your Bible. We'll put it on the screen for you. The first text we're going to look at is a text I would normally preach at Easter. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 1. And after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. And there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and they became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said, come see the place where he lay. And so the three words in this passage that I want to talk to you about today will probably surprise you. Look back with me just to verse two. Look at verse two. There was a violent earthquake. The angel of the Lord comes down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone, and here it is, and set on it. And set on it. Without saying a word, I believe this angel is teaching us something right there in that one phrase. Think about this with me this morning. The angel could have arrived. The angel could have stood up. I feel like that would have been the angelic thing to do, but instead, the angel chose to sit, and not just sit anywhere. The angel chose to sit in a specific place, and I would honestly say it was even a strategic place. And so before we get into this today, the question I'm going to ask you, the title of this sermon is you need to watch where you sit. 
Watch where you sit. Now, let me just be really practical for a minute. You've come into this place today, many of you, and as you walked into this gym, some of you, especially if you're newer here, you made a decision on where to sit based on some circumstances. If you came into the sermon today, the church service today, and you've got a small child with you, a baby, a toddler, chances are you're probably in the back of the room because you're thinking, you know, I see a mom right now bouncing the baby on. You're thinking I may need to make a quick escape, right? Some of you, if you go to uh, like the movies, I don't know your preference, but here's mine. I go into the movie theater. I hate it when I'm late. And I kind of, I scan the available seats and strategically I think, you know, I'm going to go up these stairs about halfway. I would like to slide right over into the middle section. I choose where I sit at the theater. Some of you are concert goers, right? You like to go to the concert. Where do you want to sit? Man, you want to be up the front row. Yeah, come on. Come on. Who doesn't want to be there? Now, there are a few of you, not many, but a few. Maybe, maybe today is your first time ever to Hope Fellowship Church. And maybe you strategic like, I think I'm just going to sit in the back because this might turn out to be really bad and awkward and I may, I may have to leave. So, so there are all these different factors that we think about when we're, we're choosing our seat. Hear me again. Where you sit matters. Now you're like, I, I, I hope, sometimes I make assumptions, I would hope that you're starting to realize that really what I'm going to talk to you about today is not so much that I'm interested in where you sit down your tushy. Is it okay to say tushy? Is, is that an okay word? Okay. I don't want to be offensive. I probably shouldn't ask the front row if that's okay. I should probably ask some people closer to my age. People my age, is that okay? Eh, yeah, well, okay. Whoa, that was mixed. Okay. <laughs> I won't use that word again. If it offended anyone. I'm not so concerned where you sit this down, listen to me, but I'm more concerned today to talk to you about where your soul sits. That's what we're going to talk, that's what we're going to talk about, where your soul sits. Now, I, I want to make sure you know what your soul is. Think about this with me, a reminder. It's, it's your mind, it's your will, it, it's your emotions, all of those things. And I'm asking you to consider where does your soul sit today? Now go, go back to this text. We're going to put it back on the screen. I, I think this is significant. I, I had never even thought about this until I listened to a sermon by a pastor named John Chastine. And he began to talk about this. I was like, my mind is blown. I'd never even considered this. And I believe what happened in this text with the angel, I believe it was absolutely symbolic. And when the angel sat down on that stone, even though it seems to me like an angel might be standing in all of its glory, I think there's a reason the angel didn't do that. Now think with me, just really practical. Why, why do you sit down? There are really only two reasons you sit down. People sit down because they just want to sit down. <laughs> They, they sit down just because they want to they sit down. And, and then really when you think about it too, the only other thing to think about is well, where are you going to sit down? The, the place you sit down. There's always a reason. There's always a place. Here again, I'd never thought much about this, but watch. Throughout God's holy word, 
you'll see over and over again, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, reasons and places that people sit down. Look with me. Here's one example. In the book of 1 Kings, go all the way back to the Old Testament book of 1 Kings chapter 19. Some of you know the story when Elijah called down fire from heaven. It's an amazing story in God's word. Amazing. And so that has just happened. And he calls down the fire from heaven. And not long after that, the Bible says that Elijah became fearful. He got scared. He was afraid. Read this with me. 1 Kings 19, 3 and 4. And Elisha was afraid, and he ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself, look at this, Elijah went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came to a broom bush, and he sat down under it. And look what he prayed. He prayed that he might die. We read the Bible sometimes. We take it for granted. Here is a man that is so in fear, so discouraged, so distraught. He runs out to the desert. He sits down under the broom bush, and his prayer is, God, I I want to die. I want to die. What I want to show you today is as we look at a text like this and others, this was not just... Elijah setting his rear end down on the ground. It it was him setting his soul down in that place. He was setting his soul down. His soul was afraid. He was running away in fear. He was ready to give up and he was ready to die. Now I read that text and I could go through that or I could slow down and really begin to think about it. And when I begin to think about it, There were some really interesting things about the broom bush. I'd never, I don't know anything about a broom bush. Do y'all know anything about a broom bush? No. It's also called a juniper tree. Now watch this. Watch this symbolism. When you read scripture so many times, we'll come to something like this. We'll speed past it. We don't think about it. But then the idea was, okay, God, what about this broom bush? Lord, is there something here you would want us to see about this man, Elijah, who is scared to death, he's in fear, and he wants to die? Is there something maybe we don't see? Here's what I can tell you from learning about the broom bush. They only grow in the desert. They only grow in very dry places. So begin to think through this. If you find yourself under the broom bush, you you know you've gone to a very dry place, a desert-like place. Elisha found himself in a very dry season. He's living in fear. He's now in the desert. He wants to die. And he has placed himself, he sat down under that bush. A second truth about this bush, the broom bush. It produced this disgustingly bitter root, but people who were incredibly needy, who were destitute, who had nothing to eat, would eat the root. The poor would eat the root of this bush when they were hungry. You would never go out and look for this, but you would only eat this under extreme desperation. Just follow me here. So here's Elijah, a man in extreme desperation. He's living in fear. He's so disillusioned, he's willing to die, 
He's willing to eat this root. And watch what he's doing. He's hoping to find nutrition in something that will really not even sustain him. Watch this. Elijah had taken a seat. He, he made the decision to take a seat in a place God had never intended for him to be sitting. And he set his rear end down, and he set his soul down right there under that bush. Now, I want to I make a comparison. This is subtle, but I think it is significant in what I want to talk to you about today. In that text that we just read, 1 Kings 19.4, the text says, And Elijah came to the broom bush, look at this, and he sat down under it, and he prayed that he might die. But then go back to the Matthew 28.2 text. There was the violent earthquake. An angel of the Lord came down from heaven, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone, and the angel set on it. Not under it, but on it. Look at the difference. One set under, one set on. Consider that angel who set on the stone. And then, friends, I'm overwhelmed. When you begin to think about what the enemy tried to use to stop Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, that stone, and yet the angel set on it. The very thing, listen to me, here's the truth, the very thing the devil has tried to stop you with can become the very thing you set on as you instead begin to declare the goodness of God over whatever that is. The angel set on that stone. Here it is. What was meant to bring defeat became a seat. Think about that, church. This is powerful. So I've just got to ask you, what has the enemy tried to stop you with? Think about that. What has the enemy tried to stop you with? What stone has he tried to roll out in front of you? Your guilt? Maybe, maybe it's the shame of past mistakes. Maybe it's someone you have struggled and struggled and struggled and you've not been able to truly forgive. Perhaps it's some bad news you recently received. You see what I'm showing you. You can either sit under your circumstances or you can sit on them, but you can't do both. You can't do both. Now, for, for parents, for grandparents in this room, this is even more powerful. According to God's holy word, where you sit, where your soul sits does not just affect you. It doesn't just affect you. You need to know that where you sit, listen to me, others will sit too. And what we are talking about here is what the Bible would say is, is generational. Look at 2 Kings chapter 10, verse 30. This is as clear as it gets. And the Lord said to Jehu, 
Because you have done well in accomplishing what is right in my eyes and have done to the house of Ahab all I had in mind to do. Look at this. Because of that, your descendants will sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. What does this mean? It means Jehu's behavior affected where his great, great grandson would sit. Y'all, I'm just a grandpa for the first time. But I get worked up when I begin to think about my great, great grandson. And then I read a text like this, and man, I'm, I'm a basket case. Dads, if you will begin to understand how God's desire is for you to sit on your temper, your kids will never have to sit under it. Think about it. Mothers, if God would allow you to be empowered to begin to sit on your anxiety, then your children will not have to sit under it. Are you with me? Maybe for you, if you begin to say, God, would you empower me to sit on top of all of the debt that I find myself in? God, show me how I can begin to pay this off. Then your kids may never have to sit under that. If, if you're a negative person, if you're negative most of the time, others around you will also become negative. If you're depressed all the time, it impacts those around you. Others become depressed. Whatever it is, it could be anything. If you will sit on it, others will not sit under it. So then the real question is, that's a real nice preacher. How do I do that? That's just the practical question. How do I do that? And I would simply say to you, let's look to Jesus. How about that Jesus? Look at Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we have been surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, well, that's good, that's good, but how do we do that? How are we going to do that? Here it is, look. We're going to fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the pioneer. He's the perfecter of our faith. Now look at this. The text continues. Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, set before him, he's going to sit on top of this, even though he didn't want to go to the cross, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Scorning its shame. Jesus despised the cross. Jesus did not want to go to the cross, but he endured it because he looked past the cross and saw joy. Watch this. He could have sat there, but he didn't. And Jesus instead, look at this text, instead he Set down where? At the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that for us, we, so that we won't grow weary, so that we won't lose heart. It's okay to sit down, but where you choose to sit, church, is significant. When someone wrongs you, 
Anybody been wronged like in the past 20 days? Come on. In the last two hours? Okay. Yeah. I see you. I see you. Okay. I feel you. When someone wrongs you, you have to decide what to do. You, you have to choose your seat wisely. We get to choose. And the best way to do that is to fix our eyes on Jesus. And when you do that, he will guide you. He will guide you. His Holy Spirit will guide you and show you where to sit. There's a whole other principle that I think plays out in relation to this text we're looking at today and this idea of where do we sit. And the second category I want to talk to you about is saving seats. Mm. Mm. I really don't like saving seats for people. I don't know why. Does that make me selfish? I don't know. It's kind of weird, isn't it? It's that awkward, like, eh, you know, it's just, I don't like to do that. What I do think about, I do think about this uh, when I'm asked to save a seat. I, and we used this clip a while back in church. I would have used it again. The Forrest Gump movie. I'm a huge Forrest Gump movie fan. Man, Forrest is getting on that bus. He's walking up there on that bus. He's scared to death, a little kindergartner kid. And you know what happened? Come on, say it. Say it. Seat's taken. And then the next thing he said, can't sit here. Then he marches on to the next row. Seat's taken. Can't sit here. Bless his heart. Bless his heart. Now, and, and like, seriously, emotion. Y'all know me. I cry at the drop of a hat. I'm like watching Forrest Gump. Let that boy sit down. So emotionally, it gets heavy on me. It gets to me. When I, when I watch that movie, something, something is happening. Something emotionally is happening in my brain. And I don't know if you know about our brains. There are three parts to our brain. Well, here we go. Now we're going into science class, okay? There's the survival part of your brain. Survival. The part of the brain that, you know, like controls my heartbeat and my breathing and my reflex, all that stuff. Well, that ain't it. That's not why I'm crying when I watch Forrest Gump. Shade's taken. Can't see it here. There's the logical part of my brain. You know, that's the part of your brain that is like planning, decision making. You know, I need to work out this week. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> survival part, logical part of my brain. And then what we're going to really talk about for just a second is, is what I think is most important. The emotional part of your brain, this is the part of your brain that psychologists refer to, check this out, as the seat, there it is again, of emotions. The seat of emotions. This is the part of your brain that chooses where your emotions are going to take a seat. There's this constant fight that's playing out within your mind as to what seat your emotions are going to set in. Here's an example. You're on Interstate 24. It's rush hour. You get cut off by somebody. The traffic is horrendous. You look at your gas gauge, you're about out of gas. All that. Are you going to allow your emotions to play out in like road rage? 
Or are you going to allow your emotions to be seated in, in like a seed of peace? Because, you know, I have a feeling I know where most of us go. Modern psychologists, listen, they've done all kinds of research on this seed of emotions. You can read about it. And you know what's cool? It's pretty awesome when God's word already speaks to this. And you're like, oh, Mr. Scientific Smart Guy, look what the Bible says how we're supposed to deal with this. Okay, let's look. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Paul writes to the church, so come on, guys. He says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, even on I-24, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Listen to me. It's up to you to save a seat, listen, for the right emotion. It's up to you to save a seat for the right emotion. You have to save the seat. For some of you, listen, you have to tell fear. Seat's taken. Can't sit here. For some of you, you have to tell your anger, seats taken, can't sit here today. Do you see what's happening here? For some of you, you have to tell your anxiety, seats taken, you can't sit here anymore. You have to listen to me. You have to tell your insecurity. Oh, you've listened to insecurity for so long, but you have to say insecurity, that seat is taken. You cannot sit here. Well, what does the Bible say about that? Look with me, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. This is clear as it can be. And we are to demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Look at this. And we are to take captive... Every thought to make it obedient to Jesus Christ. Seats taken. You get to choose where you sit down. You get to choose where your mind sits. You get to choose where your heart sits. You get to choose where your emotion sits. So what am I saying to you today? I'm asking you to to really look inside and ask some hard questions because where your soul sits, it is significant. I've told you, you've got a seat to save. But y'all, the best news of all, the best news is this one. Check it out. A seat has already been saved for you. A seat has already been saved for you. Now, I told you a while ago, I don't like saving seats for people. That's no fun. That's kind of boring. But how awesome is it when somebody saves a seat for you? That's good. There's no greater feeling than when someone honors you and saves you a seat. You know, you get to walk past everyone like, yeah. Taking your time. You're running late. (laughs) My friend saved a seat for me. It's all good. You know, you, you own that. I think the best example I can think of, and I don't know if I'm going to do it or not. Y'all know I'm a fireworks fanatic, right? And like for years, I've been going downtown Nashville on the 4th 
And I'm, I'm trying to decide what to do. I didn't go last year. But now the news is saying it's going to be the greatest fireworks finale in the history of all mankind. How can I miss that? So if you don't know my routine for years, here's what I've done because I'm just a good guy. I will, I will load up my car with like 74 umbrella chairs, blankets, everything. And I will drive downtown at 10 a.m. on July the 4th because I have this little place I get. And some people in my inner circle can't, could, could you save me a place? Yes, because I'm that kind of guy. <laughs> and so I'm saving these seats, and I'm down there from 10 in the morning. You know the fireworks doesn't start till 9.30 at night, right? You know this. It's 92 degrees. I'm out, oh, dying, but I've saved the seats. And then, you know, about 7.30, 8 o'clock, 8.30, here come my friends just rolling in. Thousands of people everywhere. Oh, they know where to go, to Kent's secret little spot, right down there on the Cumberland River, right down there. And they come into that place, and they're like, oh, man, you saved me a seat. And they feel so good about that, and they love it. <laughs> I'm maybe a little bit bitter, I don't know. No, I'm not. But think about the gospel principle of that. When someone uses their authority to save you a seat, you're, you're blessed to receive that place. You really didn't earn it. You don't belong there. You didn't pay the price to sit there. That, that's what God did for us through his son, Jesus. It's the gospel. Look at Ephesians 2, 6 and 9. And God, <laughs> there it is again. And God raised us up with Christ Jesus. Look, there it is. And seated us with him. That's where your seat is. And seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved. If you're a Christ follower, if you follow Jesus, a seat has been saved for you. Through faith, and this is not from yourselves, the Bible says it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. How about that Jesus? And then look to Revelation 3.21. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right, oh man, to sit with me on my throne. Just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. And the text says, whoever has ears. Let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. I want to ask you to consider today, friends, where are you sitting? Are you seated under the weight of insecurity? Are you seated under the weight of fear? If that's where you find yourself sitting today, hear me in a spirit of love. I'm telling you, you're sitting in the wrong seat. That is not where God desires for you to be. 
Maybe you're seated in a place called complacency. Maybe you're seated in a section called, oh my, comfort. I'm just, I'm just going to be a comfortable Christian. No. No, you read the Bible. God, in his holy word, is calling you to the front lines. He's calling you into a place of service. He's calling you to be generous like you've never been generous before. The church Monica used to serve at called Life Church, they had this saying, it's time for you to be a contributor, not just a consumer. I love that. Maybe you're seated in a section called regret. Maybe you're seated in a section called fear. It could be shame. It could be sin. It could be pain. But please hear me. Everything the Bible says is that God has a seat for you. And the best news of all is that today, according to God's holy word, the price of your admission, it's been paid in full. It has been paid in full because of what Christ accomplished on the cross at Calvary. Your seed has been paid for in full. Guess what? It's not up there in the nosebleed section either. It's on that front row. It's on the front row. Jesus says, our Savior and Lord, the Bible says, we are to be seated with him in the heavenly places. I don't know a better promise. So this sermon is really twofold. For some of you today who would say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to be encouraged by these truths and be reminded, man, perhaps I'm sitting in the wrong place. To some of you today, the second part of this is the message to you. Has anyone ever told you about Jesus? That God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus and Jesus lived a perfect sinless life and that Christ went to Calvary on your behalf but he looked beyond that, beyond the scorn, beyond the shame because he knew what would be accomplished. He knew that after going to that cross and giving up his life, he would be buried in a borrowed tomb and three days later, he knew he would raise from the grave. And that's where we started today, reading the text, that the stone had been rolled away and the angel appeared and said, he is not here. He is risen. If you don't know that God loves you and that he desires for you to be a part of his family, hear me, he does. And you don't have to get it together. You don't have to clean up your act. You don't have to look like a church person because that's not what it's all about. It's about you surrendering everything to Jesus. And that's what we invite you to do today. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I'm thankful. I'm so thankful for the truths that continue, God, to spring up out of your holy word. God, passages that I've read time and time again and God, forgive me for running often too fast through those. But thank you, Lord, for this past week allowing me to hear a new perspective on such a truth that I'd never even thought about. And so, God, my prayer has been that uh, the, the power of this message as we look at the gospel and as we answer this question, where do we sit? 
would be realized and received by every person in this gym today. And God, for those of us who are very aware that we are in a seat that does not bring you honor and glory, Lord, let us realize that, Lord, you empower us by your Holy Spirit to say to fear, to say to anxiety, to say to insecurity, that seat's taken. You can't sit here. And then, God, for the dear people in this room who are processing, oh, my, I don't know what's going on, but for the first time in a long time, I really sense that something is happening and this message is resonating with those who feel like, God, they, they feel like you're drawing them to you, and, and that's because you are. And so, God, I pray that that individual, whether it's one or whether it's 25 in this room, I pray that they would not reject that, that they wouldn't brush that off, but instead, God, that they would embrace the fact of how much you love them just as they are. God, let them respond to you and cling to you and run to you and begin this journey to say, I need to figure out what it means to follow Jesus. And let that begin today. God, we give you the glory for all of this. In your name I pray. And all God's people said, amen. Well, thanks again for listening to the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If you're interested in becoming more connected at Hope Fellowship Church, please visit hope615.com slash get connected.